I've learned more in the past year than in college in the first three years of work combined. But a lot of it has been learning, kind of learning to learn, very meta, but you know, I didn't, I didn't have any sales or marketing experience prior to this. And this, this experience has taught me how to do this. I've gotten better at sales. You know, I'm not perfect at it or not great at it, but I've, I've had to learn on the fly sales and marketing. And that's, that's been a great experience. Just learning to get on the phone with someone talk about the value proposition, talk about how it would be a great fit for them and all the other components of selling a product, the follow-up, the marketing, creating copy for the website. All of that has been a really great learning experience and just a business, you know, a business learning experience where I'm just learning to sell a product. What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? Understandably, a tough question for any 20-something to answer. So join me, your host, Taylor Marks of the Rise Year Podcast, as I talk with some cool people about what they do and occasionally go on long rants of my own about the pains of growing up. Today's guest is Grant Nisley. Founder at My MBA. I'm the founder of My MBA. I started My MBA about a year ago, and it's an alternative online business school program. It's a three month program where we advance your career in business by creating and connecting online. We are working with our third cohort in the program and um, having a lot of a lot of good feedback so far, and I'm really excited. Some background on me, I was, I grew up in Pittsburgh. I went to Bucknell University for undergrad and then moved to New York to do, to work at uh, the big four accounting firms for a few years. And I started writing online and getting active, posting online and being online in late 2019 with my website and starting to just post on Twitter more and get engaged with kind of like the online community. And then in 2020, at the beginning of the pandemic, I kind of started my MBA as a way to, as kind of a personal interest of mine, I was looking at business school and I was thinking about alternatives to the traditional business school path and that was the um, genesis of my MBA. And that is where we are today. Beautiful. So I saw just like a quick tidbit. Did you actually recently quit your job? I did. Yes. So this is, yeah, this is like the first month, I guess, that I've been full time on my MBA. It was, it was a big move, but I'm really excited about it. It's, it's a lot of stress off of, off of me because I was, it was getting overwhelming working at my previous job and, and getting my MBA off the ground. But now I'm really excited to just focus on my MBA and, and make it the best program possible. So what was kind of like, 
the big factor? Was it the time factor of not being able to focus as much as you wanted and kind of seeing that growth that my MBA was having between the two jobs? Yeah, it was, it was a combination of a few things. I was much, I was much more passionate about the work with my MBA because, you know, it was something that I created and I really felt um, a strong connection with what I was building. So that was kind of, that was one of the most important parts when I was weighing the decision. It was just, I felt really, felt a lot of energy when I was working on my MBA and I got really excited about it. You know, that would, that's like the part of the answer. And then like part of it was just the time commitment. It was working on my MBA started to take up a lot, a lot more time. And it was just becoming difficult to balance working at my previous company, EY and my MBA. So decided to make the leap and yeah, I'm excited. How's it been so far? It's been great so far, honestly. It's I I tested out working, kind of working on my own with a sabbatical with my previous company. They were they're really generous during COVID to offer a two-month sabbatical. So I took that opportunity and kind of tested if I was able to stay focused and you know be able to prioritize prioritize work and just kind of have that experience. And so that was kind of a good test run. I did that last summer, but yeah, it's, it's only been a month now, but still staying really busy and just really focused on making sure the My MBA product is as good as possible and kind of focusing on growth and the future of it. That's cool. That's a very interesting spot to be in. So I'm yeah. excited to kind of <laughs> see what happens. A few questions, because when I was like looking up the program, I was really intrigued by the fact that you're using Coursera courses and then you're having the cohort and then you're having the members do like these writing projects. So I guess the first question I want to start off with is why did you choose the breakdown that you did? Like, how did you go through all of the MBA programs that you were looking at and then decide what was important and then how you were going to teach it in my MBA? Yeah. So I think this is this is kind of from the beginning of why I started this. It was, I was just really frustrated when I was looking at MBA programs where I was looking online and saw that there were Coursera classes that were teaching these business school concepts online and you could audit them for free. And I was, I was really, you know, thinking about the value prop of online education and how there, there's so much content online and it's just being underutilized. So there is a business strategy course that we take taught by professors at UVA Darden, you know, one of the top business schools in the world. We were able to take that course, learn from this professor and kind of get together as a group, discuss the courses the content from the course and kind of build the community aspect of the business school where you're meeting with other interesting people and talking about the business concepts. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what we're doing with, with the Coursera classes. I think your question was, how did I, how did I pick the specific courses? I spent a lot of time just looking through every, every business school course on Coursera and figuring out the best ones, the most applicable ones, and kind of the ones that focus on a, a broader range of topics. So we do a business strategy course, like I was saying, and I love taking 
this one and and taking this with our cohorts because it it really applies to a lot of business you know i looked at business school programs and a lot of them take a business strategy course in the in the first year so really getting people to think about business strategy in that way and apply it to different industries and companies yeah so how do you break down this multi-year program into just three months yeah so it's it's focused on you know we advertise obviously my mba my mba has mba in the name but it's it's a much more compact three-month program where we're really focused on courses content and connections so this is like this is the three c's that we call it this is kind of like how we guide our experience through the program so courses we're taking three business school courses over the three months it's part-time obviously this is not obviously but like it's part-time so everyone is working on a job during and then the, so the course part taking the strategy course taking two other courses the content part this is this is where we are building the credential so when i was when i was thinking about the mba i was basically thinking first part of it is learning the business school concepts so that's the courses the first c second part is that when you're done with an mba you have the mba letters that you can put at the end of your name so how do we how do we recreate that online and this is with content so this is basically building a profile of who you are online professionally. So this is done through writing. So over these three months, every week, we're writing some sort of business school content related to a company, doing a strategic analysis of an industry. And really, this is about building the personal credential, you know, part of your brand, showing other people that you are knowledgeable about sustainability or you have a background and can talk about cryptocurrencies or whatever you're interested in it's building that up on a personal level so that's the content part and then i was thinking you know what's the what's the what's the other part of an mba that's really important and it's the network it's who you meet the connections that you make so that's the uh, third c is connections so this is the cohort that we're bringing together, that's really important. And we really prioritize those relationships within the cohort. But then it's also about reaching out and building connections with people in your industry online. So this is a, you know, this is a really high priority for us during the program where we are every week reaching out to someone in our industry cold emailing them sending a cold dm on linkedin or twitter getting on the phone with them talking about the industry learning more about them and trying to build those connections in the in your whatever industry or realm of business you're interested in so that's yeah getting back to your question that's <laughs> like that's compacting that's compacting the mba program into three months obviously it's different than a traditional mba but this is our, our take on it. What have people seen so far? Cause you're on your third cohort or you're on your second right now. We're on the third now. Okay. So what's been the biggest impact that people have seen from doing my MBA? Yeah, I think so. A big reason that I've 
I've talked to hundreds, hundred and fifty or more people who are who have been like interested in something like this. And one of the big reasons people go to business school is to think about what's next in their career. Try it's like a it's kind of a discovery phase where they are maybe in a job that they don't love. Maybe they studied something in undergrad and they want to do something a little more focused. They have a few years under their belt working and they want to pivot a little bit to something else. So a big reason that I found that people want to go to business school is obviously for a higher paying job and and some of those status parts of it, but also because of kind of a way to pivot and find a new route to take in their career. So we've We've seen a lot of success in this, and this has been one of the priorities for us during the program is helping people to figure out the direction that they want to go, think about that pivot, think about the, you know, where they want to take their next 10 years of their career and what they want to focus on. And we've really seen people, you know, be able to, to go through that process and kind of see what the next steps are for their for their career because it's I mean this is like I'm a huge proponent of writing and I think that we we really focus on writing during the program and getting people to write about an industry that they care about write about their career interests and take the time to do it is really important as kind of a self-reflection slash discovery part. Did writing lead you to starting my MBA? Was that kind of like the culmination of actually like starting the project? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Like I was saying in, I started writing in 2019 on my personal website. And I mean, the, I started writing about evolution and statistics and just like the most random topics about climate change and you know so for me writing was great in the beginning because it was it was kind of you know self-reflection and seeing what I cared about and then my second post was about higher education and I was just exploring why it was so expensive and I thought that was interesting and then a few weeks later I wrote about it again talking about debt and the cost of higher education. And then I, I came, back, came back to it again in another post. And through that writing and forcing myself to do this, I started to realize that, okay, this is, this is something I'm interested in. This is what I care about. And there's an opportunity in this industry. It's, there's a lot changing. And then especially with COVID, it really started to change. So yeah, writing has been very important for you know starting the program and that's that's part of the emphasis of it during it yeah i think that's a really cool idea because a lot of people are like really scared to start writing online and so to actually implement that and incorporate it into the program materials of like hey you're going to write you're going to publish once a week and to kind of get rid of that fear so that by the time they're done you know they've got 
12 or so articles published and then maybe they're in a cadence or something or at least it lives there and kind of just exposing them to the idea of the powers of the internet basically yeah that is that is definitely one of the goals part of you know creating the content having getting people kind of up and running with a substack and a newsletter is is really important and that's kind of the first few weeks is is getting people comfortable with that. I was just talking to one of the members last night and he was saying, you know, the first post that he did was was so hard, you know, it was just difficult to get get writing again. He hadn't been writing since college and now we're on week 4 of this cohort and he said it was it was so much easier to write the last post and it just you know, it just gets easier. And once you start flexing the muscle again. Yeah. So an interesting part is because of your background and I mean, you worked at EY, which I assume you're probably a consultant or something. So you're working with people, but then kind of translating it into this, you're running a business and you're doing the back end and the front end, but like you also have to manage people and you're helping them like discover what they want to do, which is kind of like a different dial you have to turn so how do you manage that like how have you figured out a method or or a way that works for you to kind of help help guide them essentially like you have a totally different role now too yeah definitely so i think this is one of the benefits of these cohort-based courses is the emphasis on peer-based learning and peer support so getting the cohort together and giving the opportunity for people to learn from each other and talk to each other and, you know, have a space where people are talking about business, but also talking about their careers and where they want to take it. I think that's really important. And a lot of, a lot of what I've learned is, you know, having the, having the awareness to step away sometimes and let people discover discover things on their own or with their peers. I think that's been a huge learning, but I'm definitely working on it from my end where getting the facilitator and, you know, helping people down that path. But to to answer your question more specifically, I think a lot of it has been with the structure of the program where just giving people the the structure to go down this path where you have the structure to take the courses, you have the structure to write every week, you have the accountability from me and also your peers. And, you know, we give, we give writing prompts every week. So it's kind of guiding people in that direction. So I spent a lot of time with the structure around the program. So I think that's one of the, the ways that's been helpful with, you know, the managing people side of it so you're kind of more of a guide kind of like you put them in a box and then allow them to figure out where they want to poke and then if they need you or they need someone else then they'll come yeah I think I think that's really important it was one of the when I was first designing the program it was one of the reasons I wanted to include the Coursera courses because I wanted it's business focused and I want to, I want people to learn about business strategy, but I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to joke to anyone and say that I could teach business strategy better than a UVA Darden professor. 
And if we can access that online for free, I think we should take advantage of that. And that's one of the big strengths. And I think kind of the differentiator with my MBA where, you know, we're, we're taking advantage of the resources that are already online and kind of using them to their fullest potential. How do you weigh if someone was just not into the idea, but how do you kind of convince someone who's like, this is like online, it's three months, you know, you don't get that necessarily like quote unquote degree at the end of it. How do you persuade them to take your program instead? Yeah, it's, it's a, I don't think it's an either or with a traditional MBA. And although it's my MBA is in the name, I don't think I've, I've said this and I'll, I'll, I'll joke about it, but like, if you, if you get into Harvard, a Harvard MBA, you should definitely do that. (laughs) I would never tell anyone to not do that because you know, that, that is a, that is a great differentiator. This is, this is kind of a subset of education. And this is, this is going along with one of my thoughts of how education is changing. You know, one of the ideas is that when in, when an internet, when the internet disrupts an industry, it creates more variation within the industry. So this is, this is quoting Balaji. I I follow him on Twitter and, and he has some Balaji Srinivasan, but he says, basically when the internet disrupts an industry, it creates more variation. So there is, when it disrupted the taxi industry with Uber, you have shorter Uber rides than you had with taxis and you also have longer Uber rides. So there's just more variation with when the internet disrupts, there's like more options. So when the internet is disrupting higher education, I think that there will be just more variation, more options for people, which is great, which is great to have, you know, for consumers to have more options. So, on the one end of the spectrum, you have a two minute YouTube clip, which is education. You know, if you're, if you're learning about sales, you can Google sales on YouTube and, and learn about it in 10 minutes. And then on the other end of the spectrum, way other end, you have a two year full-time MBA, which is a higher price point and just a higher, higher commitment. And then in between all of that, you have many MBAs that are coming up. You have a boot camp. You have these cohort-based courses, and just everything in between. You just have more variation for for people. So someone who's who wants to do the one hundred fifty thousand dollar MBA that is a huge commitment, but has you know huge huge payoffs and a much different experience. That is, that is for one type of consumer, quote unquote. And then for another type of consumer, there is something like my MBA where it's three months, it's more focused, it's part-time, it's all online and focused on, on online learning. Gotcha. Okay. Long answer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) So it's a nice, it's a nice happy medium, basically depending on whatever they're looking for, they would have to figure out what is more important to them and their own personal circumstances. Definitely. Definitely. Gotcha. Okay. What's been the biggest thing 
that you've personally taken away from this last, you said about year of working, basically working for yourself and, and getting this thing up and running? Yeah, it's been, it's been a great experience. I've learned more in the past year than in college in the first three years of work combined, but a lot of it has been learning, kind of learning to learn very meta, but you know, I didn't, I didn't have any sales or marketing experience prior to this. And this, this experience has taught me how to do this. I've gotten better at sales. You know, I'm not perfect at it or not great at it, but I've, I've had to learn on the fly sales and marketing. And that's, that's been a great experience. Just learning to get on the phone with someone, talk about the value proposition, talk about how it's would be a great fit for them and all the other components of selling a product, the follow-up, the marketing, creating copy for the website. All of that has been a really great learning experience and just a business, you know, a business learning experience where I'm just learning to sell a product. So that's been really helpful. I've also learned a lot about the the benefit of working at a small company very small right now <laughs> but i think and i know a lot of people who've worked at startups that will say a similar thing but it's it's a really great experience to learn ownership of a of a topic or ownership of a of an area where in a, in a big company, you can kind of get away with some things and go under the radar. But if you're running a company or at a startup, you are one of 10 people or one of a small group, and you really have to, you have to own what you're doing and pull your weight. And it's empowering because you can see the results of what you're doing. So I think you're the boss. You get to do <laughs> what you want now. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot more pressure though because there's a lot more skin in the game where, you know, if I, if I take a if I take a Friday off, it's you know, that's there's a direct consequence of not getting the work done, but it's freedom but also a little more scary. <laughs> <laughs> How do you kind of balance real life with basically for working for yourself and trying to get, I mean, I don't know. I feel bad. You're not like, you're kind of at the beginning stages, but not really. Cause like you're kind of in the middle, but you're towards the front end of, yeah. of everything, I guess is a better way to say it. So how do you kind of mitigate having a life also running this business and getting it to a point that you want it to? Yeah. Or you don't. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Well, the past, the past six months were, were pretty tough with working at EY and doing my MBA. So I'm just in the first month of getting back to having some sort of balance. So I'm still, I'm still working on that, but I think the beginning, the beginning part of any business or startup there, there has to be a lot of focus and a lot of, a lot of work on you know, making sure that you're doing everything possible. It, it does stress me out a little bit because if I, if I do take the time off, it's, 
it's kind of hard to not think about what I could be doing or unplugging, but that's a, that's a personal thing. I have to, it's hard to not be connected in this day and age too, but I, I found it like this weekend, I didn't touch my computer for like a day and a half, I think until like Sunday night to write. And I literally was so calm and peaceful. I just like watched a Netflix movie and read <laughs> and hung out outside. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, who is this person? Like, I'm not constantly checking my phone or doing anything, literally just like at peace. It was wonderful. It is great. It's really important to, to do that, to unplug. The, uh, you can spend a lot of time in front of a screen if you're not careful unfortunately but they do produce some good results and lots of fun things do come about from sitting in front of a screen so i've kind of dabbled in it a little bit i was helping um, someone build a course i guess a few months ago so it was like february to beginning of may and i think it's a really interesting space to kind of understand like he was actually running a cohort and we're going to work on building like a course on teachable but the process of breaking down the content and then leading these courses. So how did you learn the process of breaking down the courses and then delivering the courses and then basically the full scale of like getting people into your courses and taking them? Yeah, this was, this was very much a learn by doing the, the first cohort looked a lot different than what it is now. So a lot of it has just been based on the feedback I got from the first cohort, what they liked, what they didn't like, doing a lot of tweaks with that. So, you know, the first the first cohort was much, much longer in length and changing it to three months was basically a result of the feedback I got that it was the length was too long and three months, three months would be better to have a more compact time frame. Also just feedback about the structure. So hearing that while people liked the flexibility of writing what they wanted to write and taking the, taking the program in the direction they wanted, a lot of what I learned was the structure and accountability with that structure is important. So that was, that's how we iterated with this cohort to have more writing prompts, more, more deliverables. You know, we used to, we used to require an essay at the end of every month, a longer essay at the end of every month, but we got feedback that it'd be better to break it up into four smaller essays throughout the month. So a lot of just a lot of just hearing what people like and don't like and not being afraid to make changes as soon as you hear them and and doing things doing things differently without a lot of hesitation that's what that's a lot of what i've learned even with this cohort i've been i've been on the phone with everyone in the in the cohort asking them what they don't like what they do like how can I change it? How can I, is there anything, is there anything that is unclear about, you know, what's expected of you or how we can make it easier for you, less friction and not being afraid to implement that during the cohort or making a note of it to do it for the next one. So what's your dream for my MBA? 
Yeah, I, I really, so I think higher education is, is going to change. And I think it's, it's really exciting space to be in right now because there's, there's, there's a lot of issues with the current institutions, the price of the price of college and the price of graduate programs. And I get really excited about just being part of the change to this and being able to offer learning and education at a lower cost. And the more people that can learn about business or learn about different spe other specific topics through other cohort-based courses. I think that's just good for the world and good for the U.S. and and changes changes difficult, but it's it's good. So I'm really hoping to be part of part of that change. On the move. Well, I guess like yeah, like the last year has definitely propelled a bunch of companies and the ed tech space kind of coming to the forefront, which has been nice. But it's it's almost interesting to see or will be to see what actually sticks and what kind of goes away. Because I think it was maybe like March or something, or they released some stats for people that were going to college and the number was actually like significantly higher for undergrads than they would have anticipated. But it kind of goes to show that like, you know, people want that interaction. So it's this like weird gap of how do you bridge this in person, these connections that you get through school and ultimately that experience that undergrad, because undergrad is a pretty amazing time purely for meeting people and growing as a human being. Class is a whole different topic for the most part, but like, yeah, like how do you build something that that presents that to people at a fraction of the cost and, and still gives them that? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not naive that it's gonna change over the next two years. I think it's going to be a long process. But I think COVID did show us that people can connect online and people can can learn online. So it's not, there's not gonna be the MBA programs that exist today aren't gonna go out of business tomorrow or in the next 10 years or 20 years. I think it's more gonna be just, like I was saying before, more options and more more availability for people at a lower cost. There's some, there's some technology, I think I'm gonna butcher this, but if you can offer something at, if you can give 80% of the value at 1% of the cost, that's what, I need to look this up, but it's, a, it's what a lot, of, a lot of the tech companies started out as where they were, not necessarily the full experience, but they were able to cut the cost by a ton. And that was able to kind of give a given give opening to a new type of experience. I do think the, I, I love meeting people in person. I'm not, <laughs> I don't think that that's, that's going away and I don't want that to go away in my life. But I do think that if you can meet with people in the cohort across the world 
at zero cost and you can build connections with them at no cost, then that's a huge opportunity. And there will be online learning and there will be in-person learning, but the fact that there can be both is, is good. Yeah, and I think one of the huge benefits of the internet and, and these types of programs though is that you're gonna interact with people that you literally would not have had access to in any other realm. And that's special in itself. And, and like, for instance, two weekends ago, I'd been talking to this guy on Twitter and we kind of formed this friendship for the past few months and he was doing a road trip down south. So I live in Charlotte and he was like, hey, can I like stop by in Charlotte and see you? So he like spent the weekend and it was just like, it was very odd because it was the first person I'd ever like fully met that I'd only, you know, FaceTimed like once or twice. And we'd just like been exchanging messages through Twitter and, and stuff. But, you know, like having that relationship, it didn't really feel like there was anything different meeting him in person after already forming this relationship, which was really cool for anyone that like has ever done that. It is very exciting actually and maintains like the same type of bond basically yeah it is it's crazy i've i've met a few people online met them online first and then met them offline rather than so i think that's the difference between on facebook you meet all of the people all of your friends on facebook you've met in person first and then you connect with them online and I think part of the part of the future is going to be more of what you're describing, where you meet people online first based on your interests, based on, you know, different subreddits or different groups that you're in online and then and then you meet offline. So I think it's just it's cool because you can meet new different people more easily. I think I kind of actually prefer someone to meet me like on Twitter or something, because I think on Facebook, I'm a little bit more reserved, like, well, partially it's Facebook and I don't like Facebook, but like, <laughs> I'm very shy about like what I post and I don't like, cause people already have this impression of me and like kind of who I think they think I am. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, on Twitter or something, I'm oblivious. No one knows really who I am and I can post basically whatever I want and engage. Like you can take on that different persona, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It's yeah, it's a new, it's a new world. It's exciting. <laughs> How do you define failure? What is your definition of failure? Oh wow, <laughs> it's a big jump, I know. But I have a few <laughs> questions to get in before, so I had to make sure I got to it. Yeah, failure. This is this is really corny, but I would say not learning from not learning from the mistake or not learning from what you did wrong. So. So you, so you fail and your startup doesn't work, but it's really a failure if you didn't take anything away from it and you didn't use it as a learning experience to land a job at another startup or learn about sales or learn about building a website or do all of, you know, have all of those takeaways. So I'm all about failure. I try things all the time and fail at a lot of them. But if you just look at it as a learning experience, it's, it's worth it. I think that's a pretty generic answer, but. <laughs> <laughs> so if you had to get a job, like 
next week basically something happens whatever you have to go get a job how would you be different as a candidate with the skills that you have now versus like a year ago how would you market yourself different one of the most important things i learned is the power of outreach and cold emails and following up with people so if i was if i was applying to a job if i was applying to a job today I would, I wouldn't apply through the portal, the whatever the on, the application online. I would probably find a hiring manager or the product manager in at the company and try to try to add some value to the company before I sent the application. I would definitely write something about it, write something about the company and send it to the product manager or the CEO cold and ask for a 20 minute call to talk to them about their company, say, I really love the product. It aligns with my values. I wrote this 300 word post on Substack, how I think it can be better. Do you have 20 minutes for a call? And they probably won't respond. So then I would follow up again and say, Hey, just checking in on this, checking in, wanted to see if you had 15 minutes for, for a call. And then they probably won't answer again. And then I might follow up again <laughs> or try <laughs> someone else at the company or try a different company. But yeah, that's, that's how I would do it different. Have you gotten more confident in the past year or did you always have just like preset confidence? No, I definitely got more confident. I've, I had a lot of I had a few mentors that are that started companies and have some experience in sales and outreach and just learning from them, learning the the importance of reaching out, connecting with other people, following up. You know, it was very uncomfortable to start, but <laughs> it's kind of the more you do it, the easier it becomes. That's what everyone says, but I guess everyone has something that they really don't like doing and but I think like actually one of the things with like the internet is it's so much easier because to reach out to people because it's not like you have to give them a phone call directly and it's not like they have to see your face so you can literally pretend like if that's what you need to do like pretend that you're someone else in order to like just write some words and send them an email or send them a DM or something like that which is which is nice it takes a little bit of the stress off at least. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a, it's a different, it's a different environment. And I think I've just found people are, people are willing to help. And the worst case scenario is they don't respond or they're too busy and that's fine. You know, that's, it's all right. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right. There's arguably someone else that does the same job, maybe with a little bit of a different title, but someone has to reach out to. Yeah. All right, so I've got my last five questions for you. Okay. So one of them goes back to failure, actually, so I might edit them and put them next to each other. But it's what event or experience was deemed either internally or externally a failure at the time, but now looking back was like a big pivotal moment or a learning point? Okay, I think for a while I... 
I wanted to get into get into more of a finance role. Yeah, I, I started out in, I'm a CPA, so I was doing accounting and then some consulting. And I was thinking about getting into a investment banking role or something like that. And I had a few interviews and I went down the path a little bit, but I didn't really have any success. And it was a little bit discouraging, but I think it was good in the end because I didn't know why I was doing it because I've been, I've always been more interested in tech and startups and building, building new things and that space. And I was kind of just going down that path because it was, you know, it was what some of my friends were doing and it was, seemed like a cool thing to do, but it's probably for the best. I don't know if I would be, yeah, I would just be in a much different spot. Yeah. Wouldn't be here changing some lives. So (laughs) arguably worth it. Worked out for you. If you had a book written about you, what would the title of the book be? Something, something to do with changing higher education. I need to work on my, my copy for, for book (laughs) titles, but I think it would definitely be cool to be a part of changing higher education and bringing the cost down for people and being part of that change. Well, you you are doing that though. You are, you are doing that right now, doing the which is cool. The next one is if you had 24 hours to live, unlimited money, and could travel anywhere at the snap of your fingers and bring whoever you wanted with you, what would you do? I went to, I went to Tokyo in 2017 and it was incredible, but we planned the trip where we were there for three or four nights. And one of the nights was one of the days we planned to go to this fish market. It's a famous, famous fish market in Tokyo. And that morning we got up and it was the one day it was closed and we had plans. (laughs) (laughs) We had plans every other day. So we just, we weren't able to go to this market. I actually forget the name of the market, but I've always been thinking I need to go back to Tokyo to go to this market and not on a Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Not on a Wednesday. That's an odd day. Is it like a holiday or like something specific in Japan that they do that? They, I think it's just a cleaning day or something. It might've been Tuesday. Yeah. It was just, we just looked on our phones that morning and we were like, wow, it's, it's closed. (laughs) That's, that's more on the planning part though. (laughs) Not the right. market's fault. Okay. That'd be a cool day. The next one is would Grant at 8, 10, 12, whatever age you want to pick, kind of in that range, would he be happy with where you are now and what you're doing? Yeah, I hope so. I think he was, well, I, I wanted to be a, a vet for a while. So I don't think I went down that path, but yeah, I think he would be happy with doing something in education yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then last one is what do you want to accomplish either personally professionally and or both in the next six to 12 months yeah with 
my MBA in the next six to 12 months, I, I kind of look at it just on a cohort by cohort basis where this one is going until end of July. So end of July, just focusing on the cohort and making sure it's the best experience possible. And then starting another cohort in for the fall. So, and that would be another three months to the end of the year. So for the next six months, it's basically just thinking about the cohort experience, making it the best experience possible. And that would be kind of the, the six month goal. And then when you, when you zoom out a little bit more, it's just being open to change and open to adjusting how, how I need to, to make it better. My two takeaways from my conversation with Grant are, first, take the leap. But first, vet your idea and make sure you have something to offer that will generate money. And what is your unique value prop? But then figure out when it's time to go all in or where you need to place more emphasis in your life, whether that's something that pays the bills or it's something that is a side project. How are you going to decide at what point does this side project require more of your time? And are you going to give it the time that it deserves and needs in order to grow? The second is use your resources. A lot of people think that they need to reinvent the wheel or create their own material. But the internet is full of great lectures, videos, books, podcasts, you name it, that are free or at reduced costs. So use that to your advantage and figure out how you can condense this material and use it in unique ways 